The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour on this Sunday night, the 14th day of August 2022. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is with us as always. I'm happy to welcome you aboard tonight. Very glad you could be with us. Uh, the 1968 season and the 1968 World Series. Who remembers that? That's our topic tonight. Some great people in the lineup tonight. Up first, we'll speak to one of the stars of the 1968 world champion Detroit Tigers, Willie Horton. He's got a new book out from our friends out at Triumph titled, Willie Horton, Detroit's own Willie the Wonder, the Tigers' first black great. In the second half, we'll welcome in another player from that 1968 World Series, the Cards' great third sacker, Mike Shannon. He's got a book out from Triumph, too. It's titled, Get Up, Baby, My Seven Decades with the St. Louis Cardinals. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show tonight on GBB. Always great show with great people and great sports talk and memories up ahead. Just want to remind you about social media. We are on Facebook. We are on LinkedIn. We are on Twitter. You can follow us at WGBB Sports Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at B Donahue WGBB. And if you miss a show, don't worry. They're all out on the website at www.am1240wgbb.com. Well, our first guest, he played 15 seasons in the major leagues for the Tigers winning the World Series in 1968. He was a four-time All-Star. He had his number retired by the Tigers in 2000. Since 2003, he's worked in the front office of the Detroit Tigers. It's a real honor and a pleasure to welcome back to the show tonight, Willie Horton. Willie, good evening. Good evening, Don. It's great to have you with us tonight, Willie. Uh, I would, I just want to ask you... Uh, you grew up really in the shadow of Briggs Stadium, who people may know as Tiger Stadium, in the Jefferson Projects downtown Detroit. You were a talented athlete. Tell us what it was like growing up uh, in Detroit back then. Well, I enjoyed life back then. then. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't ever understand racial property until I left home, but because mm-hmm. it was just many uh, uh, white people lived in the project as, as black at the time, and in our community and stuff with more integration, uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe more white was in our community. But uh, but uh, I, if I had to live it over again, I live to do the same thing. I wouldn't change anything. I'm still very close to some of my uh, lifetime friends that we all grow up and we still get together once a month or every other month, uh, about 14 of us, and uh, we still get together. Okay, that's great, Willie. Now, as a 17-year-old, it was 1960, you played outfield for the Detroit Lundquist team. They won the Sandlot Championship, the National Sandlot Championship in a tournament in Altoona, PA. 
you batted third on their on that team right in front of Bill Freehand. Now, uh, tell us about playing with Billy back in those days, Willie. Well, me and Billy go back many years ago. Billy yeah. used to come up from Florida all the time and play ball in the city ball. But we go back uh, back in our maybe nine to ten years old playing against each other in the city of Detroit. But, but you know, Bill Freehand, he was one of the, I think, to me, I, I look at the Hall of Fame like today. I don't know why they ever they'll never mention his his name at all about the Hall of Fame because Billy got hurt. You know, he had like fourteen All Star game he appeared in. Mm-hmm. But a uh, great human being, great friend of mine, a lifetime friend. Matter of fact, I talked to his wife a couple a month ago, and we try, still try to reach out and stay in con- uh, contact with each other. Nice, Bill Freehand. Yeah, and Willie's right. Uh, deserves Hall of Fame consideration. A great catcher from that era back then, Bill Freehand, folks. Google him, check out his records, you'll see what I, what we're talking about here. Now, you made your debut with the Tigers, Willie. It was September 10th, 63. Pinch hit home run off Robin Roberts in your second at bat. Do you remember that at bat, Willie? No, I remember that at bat. And yeah. I I still got Robert Robert autographs. He signed the ball for me. Oh, nice! Uh, that's never. I know it's a day I never forget because, you know, down at the ballpark, my dad was sitting up in the bleachers, and uh, him and a guy got into it, and my father got he got a little lockup down at Tiger Stadium at the time, oh, Brick no. Stadium at the time, and then the guys have a problem. They kind of lock them up, and then after the game, oh, we let them go, and you know, I'm so happy after the game. Well, Pop had me, my mom, my sister waiting for in the parking lot, and after a while, the lights getting cut off, and here come Pop and all. He said, "Let's go, you, you and Dad, to ask your father where he been." That's just a no-no back in them days. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I found out, I found out later through the ground crew what happened. And but the hardest thing I ever had with the Tigers in my career, my dad didn't like. He liked the bleacher seats. I had to get bleacher seats for him when we had games. There you go. Yeah, like to sit with the common man out in the bleachers. That's it, Willie. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now, 1967. There's riots in Detroit. Now, you tried to restore peace. You went down uh, town in your uniform and tried to plead for calm from the folks. Uh, tell us about that whole experience, Willie. Well, all I know, we was playing the Yankees, a doubleheader that day, and. Uh, I think I hit a home run the game, the first game, and then second game, uh, I guess maybe midway through, maybe it'd be sooner. They call us all off the field until we had to go on for our safety. I end up in a go in the clubhouse. Something just struck me on my mind. I said, "I'm gonna go over and see what I can do." And I just put my street clothes in my duffel bag and went over on 12th Street where the riot at. And and I never, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't never forget. The people concerned about Willie Horton going home. For me to go home, get my safe, although I was there trying to bring peace to them. And they were worried and concerned about Willie Horton. But uh, I think it, it all started back, you know, uh, got me ready for getting involved and beyond the field started back in Lakeland in 19, and in, in early 60s, 61, 62, when I went, to, first time I went to Florida and I had to walk from downtown Lakeland three to four miles, three to five miles to, a Tiger Town, and I couldn't ride no taxi, and I thought they were playing a joke on me, but uh, I walked that, and, but that was the best walk in my life, and 
it got me ready for things like the ride in the other community. As I traveled and as I came up with the Tiger, my first two or three years, it was tough. It was all, it was just, it was no different than Jackie Robinson time, probably. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just one thing, but it made a better man out of me. I was just so fortunate and blessed that the good Lord put Ernie Harwell, George Kell, them type of people around my life, helped me mold me what I accomplished in life and having Judge Keith as, as my legal advisor when he was a young lawyer uh, from 13 to 7, uh, to the time I signed, I, uh, he got me ready for what I had to go through. And But the connection of that walk downtown got me connected with uh, with uh, George Kell and, and, and Ernie Howell and Hank Greenberg, one of our great Tigers ball players. that Hank educated me and got me closer to Jackie and Larry Dopey. Because they treated the Jews the worse than they treated the black at the time. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, I was very blessed that I was just surrounded around the right people in my career, helped me try to reach back in community. And then I'm still working with the military mm-hmm. spaces, uh, doing work with Bob Hope during that time. And I still work with military bases right today. Great story, Willie, about, uh, walking downtown through Lakeland out to Tiger Town and then speaking with the great Hank Greenberg, as you say, he encountered as much racism as Jackie Robinson did back in the day. He, he had a very tough time, Hank Greenberg. I tell you, the best thing happened to Willie Horton when I uh, when they introduced me to him and got me fully involved, and I understand what. Then, that, then from that to uh, Jackie Robinson, Larry Doby, Larry Doby mm-hmm. introduced me to who. Uh, Luke East, the big first baseman with Cleveland. And that's when I started getting into the, uh, uh, the race ride problem. What can I do to help make things better for all people in the future? Great example. Willie Horton's with us tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now that 1968 Tigers club, Willie, what a, what a ball club. I mean, the pitching staff, you had Denny McLean winning 31 games, Mickey Lolich. Uh, so many other players on that team were special. Uh, Mickey Stanley, who wrote the foreword to your book, uh, Jim, <laughs> yeah. right? Jim Northrup. Tell us a little bit exactly. more about that ball well, club. You know, really. I, I think that ball club, we, we all started from Tiger Town and, and you brought up Mickey Stanley, a name, and that he won my better friend in life, a lifetime friend, but Mickey helped me make the transition. I was a catcher when I saw signing. Mickey helped me come to outfielder that I came in life, and uh, I owe all of my credit and respect to my coaches, and but especially Mickey. You know, as you as you go as you look back in life, in reality, you and Mickey and I was really fighting for each other's jobs, and but he went all we went out of his way to help me uh, as, as become the outfielder I came, and also he helped me in the integration uh, problem because he used to ask me a lot of questions. We we hang out together while we came eat together at Tiger Town and other places and traveling and accelerating and, and, and got me more into the immigration problem. But, uh, but these guys, uh, I, I, like I said, I've been blessed. I've been very, very blessed that uh, getting Jake Wood, our first black came through our organization uh, uh, as a, through Tiger Town. I was very fortunate to come in an area that, these guys taught me into Gates Brown, Norm Cash, Al Kaline, Rocky Calavita, that I understand the important to learn how to play through the fans. 
and I try to pass that down to the young players now. If you learn how to play through the fan, you have a lot of a long career. That's that's certainly correct, Willie. Some some tremendous names you mentioned there. Of course, K Line, Mister Tiger, Ooh. Norm Cash, uh, J- Jimmy Northrop, Rocky Calavito, right? Uh, well, Rocky, Rocky, go back to me before you signed with the Tiger. Rocky, go back when I was in my team, uh, early team that uh, slipping in Tiger Stadium. We got caught me and my two two buddies, <laughs> and he was playing with Cleveland. And we thought this you the guy. He said, let's have these guys and we go oh, we in big trouble now. And uh but then he uh he got me where I got my first job down there and and, and from there at working at the visitor clubhouse, then later on in years he kinda passed Lel Field down to me and, and came my mentor in in my baseball career. The Rock, Rocky Calavito. That's right, Willie. Now I want to talk to you about a specific play in the World Series, Willie. We'll talk about that famous play, uh, game five. The Tigers are down three to two. St. Louis threatening. Lou Brock comes around on a single by Julian Javier. You feel, yeah. you feel the ball, fire a one hopper home to Billy Freehand. He caught the ball and tags Lou Brock. And the, the momentum all of a sudden swings back in the Tigers' favor. But the, the funny thing is about that play, and people, uh, can, can Google the famous picture. Lou Brock doesn't slide. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that came from him. You know, I tell people, and I got a little article down on my, in my rec room, tell the story about that. It was like two or three plays in one, but the important thing that play, that, uh, that, you know, we have the Vance Scout and every team have it right now. That, uh, and, and, and Brock, you know, at the time, he brought base stealing back into the game. Mm-hmm. And he, and from we picked up in the report from All Star break on, he'd be at first base. He used to go around second, drift into third, and he did the same thing with his second, and he drifted in the home plate. But then the outfield, you know, I never tried to throw him out, said Luke Brock, uh, uh, running. And the guy on the deck second, they never tell him to slide because, and the coach didn't help him because that's Luke Brock. But, uh, and I think it made a play that we doing our homework, myself and, uh, Bill Freehand, the catcher, and Jim Price, the catcher, and, and all the outfield. And we seen the same report and, 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 and then I know who was hitting and I know who was pitching for us and, and Lowledge at the time, he, you know, going in that dead end at about the fifth, sixth inning, he, we used to make the ballpark smart, small for him. And, uh, and then I've been at the right position at the right time within 10 feet, either left or right, going toward the infield, get the ball in. And, 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 and that's the only thing on my mind, but that made the play. I had, it was two plays in one. Freehand doing his homework, mm-hmm. Coyote, the third baseman. And I got the ball, throw it in freehand scene, and he brought, broke his stride, and he let the ball come through. But at that, but what made it play, Brock didn't slide, and because he, he didn't never have, he got in bad habits from being successful as a base stealer. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly true, Willie. And uh, as we said, swung the momentum right back in the Tigers' favor, went on to win that World Series. One of the, one of the most famous plays in World Series history, folks. You can look that one up, too. Now, I want to ask you, Willie, about a specific, uh, exercise that you okay. developed. It was helped, helped by your new roommate. 
a guy by the name of Frank Howard. People will, will remember Frank <laughs> Howard with the Washington Senators, yeah. the Washington yeah, Monument. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us big about it, it. involved a broom handle, right, Willie? Well, yeah, well, you know, you, you, uh, me and Frank, uh, he came over from Washington Street to talk, and we was talking one day about about how we learned how to hit, and nobody, I'm telling him, nobody ever showed me how to hold a bat, and he, he said, it's course, they're the same way here, and we started talking about a broom handle. I said, man, I used to take Bolotop across the freeway in Detroit when they were doing construction <laughs> yeah. on John Lyons Freeway. And he's telling me in his hometown he did the same thing. And we start picking up on that. And, and we saw, said, well, we need to get back to some of our old habits when we have problems. And from that day on, you'd be surprised how you go back to your base foundation, find things, helps you correct your thing when you're having problem hitting. And although we had good hitting coach, but we always bent back to that old broom handle, picking up the ball top, hitting. And then we learned the important thing that Yogi Berra used to tell me when I was young. At bat mean hit baseball, not ball hit bat. So right. you see the ball and you hit it. That's it. Yogi had a simple philosophy, and it certainly worked. That's for sure, Willie. Oh, oh I tell you, I never forget Yogi tell me that. And <laughs> up a couple of years before he passed, we were talking about that in spring training. I said, all the way through my career, I always thought about what you said, at bat mean hit ball. Right. That's <laughs> it. Now, now Ralph Houck. Came aboard after uh, Billy Martin with the uh, uh-huh. Detroit Tigers. Uh, along came also the designated hitter, and that that more or less helped your career, didn't it, Willie? Well, I think that it helped my career, but it made a better smart ball player out of me because I saw ah, okay. sitting on concentrating on the bench what I should do and stayed ready, and it helped me in the importance of other of learning the game and learning the pitches. And I really got into the game. It helped me down the road as one day I came to manager. I didn't understand at the time, but when I went to Venezuela, I won the first manager, won the Caribbean World Series for that team over there. And, and, but I took the combination of being the designated hit and made me get right into the game, made me work at the game a little more harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right, Willie. Now, some younger guys come along to the Detroit Tigers. After the old guard retired, you were still there. Guys by the name of Ron LaFleur, Ben Ogilvy, and of course <laughs> we, we had the bird, Mark Fidrich, and you, oh, you, bird. yeah, and these guys came along, Willie, and you, you really tried to take them under your wing and, uh, teach them how to be ball players. Well, all you do, you try to just pass down what gave to you and, and I never forgot what the guys I mentioned earlier, how much they meant to me, what they gave to me is passing it down. And, uh, you know, I can keep on. You, you mentioned a few, but Steve Kemp Steve came Kemp. along and yeah. at the time and a lot of, and that's the way we learned how to play baseball from Tigertown in Lakeland, Florida. From the roots of Tigertown, that's where we learned how to play the game. Understand you play the game for the W. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we need to get back to. That game means play for the W. As Willie Horton, yeah, I was a great home run hitter, as you want to say, but I know how to bunt and I know how to hit behind the runner because that W come into play to win the game as a team. 
Willie Horton with us tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, I want to ask you about your batting helmet, Willie. You wore the same <laughs> helmet throughout your career, and you just had it painted when you changed teams. Yeah, they had two. I had two helmets Charlie Dresser gave me when I was a young man. I took care yeah. of Yeah. And I, and I painted them everywhere I went. That's the same way I did my bats. I, I used to take care of my own bats. I, I bet, I didn't ever use them about two or three bats the whole summer. Wow. You know, I used to like, I used to like to, my bat get broke in right down by the hell and I used to fix it and that become my gamer. But, uh, anyway, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I it different time, different era. Same, it's the same, it's still a game, I have fun. And, uh, I used to, uh, my, uh, somebody asked me a day for yesterday, what size bet you have? The latest bet I started out with a 34 ounce and they, and, and, and that Charlie Dresser took away from the store on my bet. Found out about four, four years later, I'm, I'm getting 38 ounce of bats and 35 and a half inch. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started using the whole field because you play the game according to how much you, how you respect the pitcher. First of all, you better learn how to respect the pitchers. Then that teach you about how you play your play your game. And I had two books on every pitcher I faced, but I reversed that to help me became a better outfielder than my position. You better respect a guy like Gibson, who you faced in the '68 series, oh. really, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, not Gibson. There's so many others out there. I mean, yeah, but I remember Louis Tion, Marquette, Grant, and. Uh, people I forgot we got one of uh, got us over the World Series and Hump in '67 where you got Earl Wilson from Boston. Right, he threw that ball real hard. We had some, and but you had Palmer and guys back there can throw, get the ball up there just as good as these guys did today. But but the important thing they had they had good location, good control, like Fergus Jenkins, Catfish Hunter. They could hit a match box sitting on the plate. <laughs> yeah, they, they probably could, Willie. You're right. <laughs> now, now you moved on to Seattle. You were a veteran on an expansion club. You found uh, a good spot for yourself. Uh, Twenty nine well, homers. Well, Go ahead, Willie. Yeah. Well, Seattle came from when I told you I, I came out of retirement. Went to I was in Venezuela working on my health, mm-hmm. getting my body back in shape, and. uh Thanks to Larry, uh, Larry, uh, Cookie Rawhouse. Uh, he turned the team over to me and I think the best thing happened to me, taking responsibility of the young players and, and we came back and came from last place, won the Caribbean World Series and the majority of all my players went to the big league the next year and, and people lose. I think I owe a lot of credit to him calling Seattle about Willie Horton because I was, he said, what you mean you threw playing? Uh, I said, well, I'm through playing because what happened, Venezuela, when the players got hurt, and I started filling in the H and playing the first base, and things started clicking again as with a young boy. And as the old saying, you got to keep that little boy in, inside of you, keep smiling, and things right. started happening for me. And I went to Seattle and, and stayed out. Well, actually, I lived out in Seattle for about 12 years after retirement. Nice, yeah. They 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 uh, fell in love with you out there, Willie. Oh man, I tell you, yeah. beautiful town, beautiful. They really did. They they called Willie the Ancient Mariner, folks, and that's that's a great nickname. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember they did a, a, a story on me. I think Carl Eller and uh, and uh, somewhere and Carl Eller and 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 the basketball coach. I think. Call his name, but Lenny Wilkins. 
No, it was no. before Lenny. It was before Lenny. Paul Silas. Paul Silas, yeah, okay. Yeah, they did a they did a spur on those, all those older guys that, that we, what we brought to the team, and I think that's the important thing. We was at a time we all went back and give back what gave to us to us as young players. Try to give back to the young players. Now, people, and that was a good, go ahead, Willie. I'm sorry. No, I said that's a blessing in life. You have the experience. That's when I say I get back. I've been blessed to have been surrounded around the right people at the right time. You sure were. And here's another example of that. People may, may not realize or remember that Willie was a Yankee, and he was brought back to yeah. New York by his old skipper, an old ally, Billy Martin, right? Billy Martin. Billy? Yeah, talk a little yeah, bit Billy about Martin, Billy. I tell in my book, once you could read through it, it probably tell you about, I, I think, Billy Added seven more years to my career because I remember he came over to manage the Tigers. He flew in from Minnesota and visited me at my home and told me, said, well, next year you ain't going to, if you don't pick the game back up where God gave you a bill in the plan, you don't get a lot of splinters in your, I ain't going to say the word. <laughs> uh, on, and uh, and, and he, then he said, let's go shoot some pool. And, but I, from that day on, I still have a lot of respect for him, but when I really learned how smart he was when I coached with him with New York, mm-hmm. he, he, I mean, I, this man can tell you about things, what they're going to do in the game. It's like pre-setting up things in the game. I mean, one time the team was down. He said, you got to get me out to first base. I said, what you mean? I said, okay, if something go wrong. He said, no, no, no. We got a rookie umpire out there, Kaiser. And he said, I want you to get me out there because we got to, Look like Dave Winfield, all the guys in the got little uh, sitting down and just let, letting things happen. Mm-hmm. We got to wake up the team. As soon as the hell I got, got him out there about the fourth inning and he started <laughs> getting in cows and looking at him and shook his head. So, Mr. Morton, I'd be embarrassed if I put you out of the game. My mom and dad would hate me for that. <laughs> and boy, did he, but did he turn it on then? He went to every base around the whole park. Around the stadium, kicking dust up. But uh, but I tell you, I learned how to respect him as with the knowledge he having in the game and and the love he had for the game. And one thing about Billy, I don't like people to know, he was a giver. He always took care of a lot of people that need that need help. I remember in Oakland one time, the kids be out in front of their ballpark. Billy gave me a thousand dollars to go out there and give it to the, each one of them. I mean. Wow. Spit the money up between all of them, but that's the type of man. But he don't want you. He didn't want you. Billy had a beautiful heart. He didn't want. He want everybody thought he was mean and hard, but <laughs> he was soft. He was soft. I, I always hear great things about Billy Martin, Willie. That's for sure. Now, well, I tell you, I was. We was coming back the third time. He called me that Friday. He got killed. Had an accident that Sunday morning. Yeah. And uh, we was all sort of meet back at Bill Reedy Place in Detroit. I was living in Seattle at the time. He was a cleat board and all of it. He was all on meet back here. And he was trying to get his coaching staff back together because he was going back to the Yankees. Yeah, again. And uh, yeah. unfortunately cut short that, that Christmas. Yep, Unbelievable. Exactly. Now, now, Willie, the statue of you outside Comerica, uh, your Ooh. number retired. Was that the pinnacle of your, of your career? Well, statues tell everything about Willie Horton. Yeah. And, and tell everything about my life, the project, 
working in the community, working with Army military seniors, and they tell everybody about Willie. And then the highlight of my whole career, they, I came the fourth person in this state of Michigan to have a permanent day behind Rosa Park. And wow. that's what tell you about what that statue stands for. People like I just mentioned, I'm just first. I think it was President Kennedy before Rosa Park and someone before him. And I came the fourth person to have that permanent day in the state of Michigan. Well, you certainly deserve it. Willie Horton Day, right? It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show tonight, Willie. I I thank you for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us up here in New York. The book, again, folks, it's a great read. It's from Triumph Books, our buddies out in Chicago. It's titled Willie Horton, Detroit's Own Willie the Wonder, The Tiger's First Black Great. Give it a look. It's a great read. Willie, thanks again. Thank you. And thank you, Don, and you'll have a good weekend and give my love and hello to the fans in New York. Uh, played against them, but I end up coaching their beautiful fans. Will do, Willie. You have a good night. That's Willie Horton, ladies and gentlemen. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we'll speak with the third baseman of the 1968 St. Louis Cardinals, Mike Shannon, so stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. I hope everyone is having a wonderful weekend. Gorgeous summer weather here in New York this weekend. And, of course, we had the big series out at City Field with the Phillies coming to town. Really stoked by the remarks made by Keith Hernandez about their defense. We had Mad Max on Friday night, uh, Jacob DeGrom on Saturday. And today, uh, the Mets beat Zach Wheeler and the Phillies take the series two game to three. Big, big uh, doings coming up this week. The NL East race will be heating up with the Mets visiting uh, Atlanta, then go on to Philadelphia, and then go to Yankee Stadium to play the Evil Empire. So we will see how that takes uh, takes shape, folks. But right now, our next guest, he spent 50 seasons as the radio voice of the St. Louis Cardinals up until his retirement following 2021 season. As a player with the Cardinals, he won World Series championships in 64 and 67, 
In 2014, he was inducted into the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. He, like our previous guest, Willie Horton, starred in the 1968 World Series. He also has a book from Triumph Sports in Chicago. It's titled, Get Up Baby, My Seven Decades with the St. Louis Cardinals. It's great to welcome to the show tonight, Mike Shannon. Mike, good evening. Good evening, sir. It's a pleasure to be on with you. It's a pleasure to have you, Mike. I, I tell you now, uh, you considered yourself early on to be a better football player than a baseball player. You said if the money was better, you would have stuck with football. That's correct. Yeah. You know, I, when I came up to the line, I was a quarterback. I could, I could look over and see the defense and, and know what they were going to do before they did. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And uh, where, where were you going to – what colleges were you looking at for football, Mike? Well, I, I could have gone anywhere in the country. Wow. And I okay. chose I chose my home state of Missouri because of the, the coach who recruited us. was a guy that went to, uh, to Arkansas the next year. Mm-hmm. But he was a great, he used to punt, he used to quick kick on the third down. <laughs> and that was, uh, the great, the great coach. Right. Now, now your major league debut, Mike, uh, you're playing right field against the Reds at Bush Stadium. You're second at bat, you're single to left. Now, do you remember that at bat? No, I do not. No, okay. It was against Bob Perky. Now Perky was one of the best in in the uh, in the bigs at that time. Well, I remember asking Kenny Boyer what he threw. He said he, he threw a sinker. Yeah. He said he starts out over the plate. He said or the outside. He said then this comes down the middle. He said then when you swing it, it hits you on the elbow. Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. And he was about right. He had, a, he had a tremendous singer. Now, now uh, before Stan Musial's uh, final game, uh, he pointed to, to former Cardinal Joe Medwick and said, this is the guy I replaced. And then he motioned to you and Gary Kolb saying, and these are guys who are going to replace me. What impact did Musial have on your career as a young Cardinal? Well, he was tremendous. You know, whatever he said was true. And, uh, you know, he had all that great experience. And, uh, I didn't ask him much, but, uh, I played with his son in high school, a football team. He had a son named Dick Musial. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was a heck of a football player. He went to Notre Dame and went out for the Notre Dame team and was going to make that, but he decided that he was too, too, too little, so he's, so he's tried track instead. Gotcha. But, but anyway, he was, uh, he was, uh, that's where I got to meet Nijo. He was a, he was a father of a son who played on the football team with me. Right, okay. Now, St. Louis at one time offered you to the Milwaukee Braves, and they were gonna get Euchre in return. Do you, do you remember that? Well, I was rumored a number of times being mm-hmm. traded. One was to the Chicago Cubs. Too bad I didn't go there because I hit very well there in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wrigley Field for sure. 
Now, uh, in in the '64 series, Mike, uh, you hit a home run off Whitey Ford. Do you remember that at bat? Oh yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, he threw me two curveballs inside, and then they tried to hung one, and and of course that's the one I hit. I hit it off the uh, Budweiser board, and. And it got a lot of ink, and cause it was a long home run, and it was off Whitey Ford, you know. So. And did, didn't uh, Mr. Bush tell you that it's going to cost four thousand dollars to repair that Budweiser sign, right? Yeah, right. right. It was going to cost more than the, what I was going to make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was a little concerned about that, but the, the guy, the guy that had this son was a guy named. Uh, uh, let's see here. If I can recall his name. Anyway, Kern, that is his name. Yeah. John Kern. It was a Kern sign company that had that sign up there and it moved and everything. It flew like a bird, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then they have this sign up on the Highway 40 now. Going out of going out of the city. Well, they do? They still have it? They still have it. Wow. <laughs> now, now, Shane Deanst, uh Mike, he was impressed with your versatility. Uh, Johnny Keene uh, kind of tinkered with you, di- didn't know where to put you. Uh, tell us about your time behind the plate. You, you caught for a while. Yeah, I did, and I thought that was the most interesting point in the uh, Game too, you know, and you get, the game doesn't start until you put down the sign. Mm-hmm. And so I really thought that was interesting. Yeah, and uh, for, for a guy to end up playing third base, that, that's that's pretty good. Now <laughs> we're talking with Mike Shannon tonight on Sports Talk New York, the the '67 series. Mike, uh, tell us a little bit about Gibson during that '67 series. Well, he was a tremendous player, you know. He, he he could do everything. He could hit. He could steal bases. He could. He he was just, of course, you know, he could pitch. He pitched extremely well. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the thing I remember most about Musial is uh, he was supposed to play left field in Chicago on his last trip in there, and. Uh, uh, instead, I had to play left field because he was tired, so he was took a nap up on a on a training table. And there was a guy that drove in from Kansas, brought his little ten-year-old son with him. He drove. He said, "Shannon," he said, "I drove seven hundred miles. I have to watch you play left field instead of usual." I was all thrilled about getting a chance to play and you know start a game. And here, this guy was. Yeah. You know, he, he was... He was complaining. He, he was complaining about it, and I don't blame him, you know, about it. Can you imagine what that kid, all the stuff he heard about music on from his dad driving in 700 miles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. What are you so going to do? What toothpaste do you use? Right. What are you going to do, So I said to the guy... Hey, Mr. said, you know, I, I, I felt sorry for him. He had to drive 700 miles and watch me play left field when he thought Mugler was going to play left field. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I, I, really, I really felt sorry for the guy. And then he had his 10-year-old son with him. Can you imagine the, the, the earful that kid got on the way in? Yeah. <laughs> 700 miles, and he was talking about music the whole time. And he watched me play left field. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> he was probably relieved. <laughs> the kid was probably relieved he watched me play left field instead of musical. Yeah. He knew everything about musical. His dad, but he didn't know anything about Mike Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you you hit a home run off the Red Sox Gary Bell in the '67 series. How about that at bat, Mike? Well, I remember I, I didn't hit it very good, but it just got over the wall. Uh huh. I hit it around a trademark. That, that, that I do remember. But I, uh, you know, I had uh, I played in three World Series and hit a home run in all three World Series. You did. So, uh, and I wasn't a home run hitter, you know. But the pitchers, they just uh, right balls for me, you know. Whitey Ford, he missed with two curveballs inside, and then he hung one. Right. I hit it off the U and the Budweiser sign and busted the sign. <laughs> That's a great story. So, yeah. Now, we just spoke to Curry. Willie Horton, Mike. We spoke to Willie Horton about that play in the 68 series. Uh, Julian Javier singles uh, to Willie Horton. Willie Horton throws one hop to Bill Freehand, and they nail Lou Brock uh, at the plate. Lou doesn't slide. What do you remember about that play? Well, you know, he shouldn't have really have slid, but they called him out, and, you know, he had to give the umpire credit because he was expecting him to slide. He didn't slide, and, you know, they called him out. Mm -hmm. And he got to play right, you know. Right. It was, it was tough to call Lou Brock out on anything he, he did because he was such a great base stealer. Right. Uh, that was Doug Harvey he called him out. That was God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's God. <laughs> now, you, you homered in that series off Mickey Lolich, right? Yeah. I uh, homered off. Of, the only guy homered off of that wasn't left hand was, uh, was the bell from... From the 68 series. Right. The 64, I hit one off of Whitey, and then 68, I hit one off of uh, Lowridge. Right. Now, uh, talk a little bit about the illness that forced your retirement, Mike. You had to retire early. Tell tell the folks a little bit about your illness. Well, I was idiopathic memories, good morning, the flies, and I asked the guy, I said, well, how do you get that? Yeah. <laughs> he said, well, you can get it from the bee sting. I said, good, I, I don't embarrass my family anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, how did that you... That was what I was worried about. Right, yeah. Rightfully so. Mike Shannon with us tonight on the program. Now, you got into broadcasting, which was great for you. You, you had a tremendous career, and you worked with uh, a Hall of Famer and another Hall of Famer that you crossed paths with you, Jack Buck. Yeah, I was fortunate to start off with Jack Buck because, you know, he taught me a lot. I just sat there and I watched him and 
And then by just watching him, you know, I, he was all a famer and I learned a lot, you know. And he gave me a couple of hints, you know, the first thing he gave me was, don't, don't say, when the umpire gets a new set of baseballs, he said, make sure you say baseballs and stuff, just balls, get mm-hmm. a new set of balls. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he, he kept me out kept me out of a little trouble anyway. He did. Now you really became an enduring and endearing part of Cardinals baseball, Mike. Uh two generations of fans grow up listening to your uh really down to earth and entertaining play by play. Uh was it hard to say goodbye to those Cardinal fans? Yeah, it really was because uh they were such great fans, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, I had such a respect for the game, so I had a lot of respect for them, and uh, so that was hard to do. But uh, you know, every everybody has to start anew, and so they had to get a new person to fill in for me, and it was good. Uh, Fifty years, I had enough. Yeah, and a, a tremendous career, Mike. But what do you consider your greatest thrill in your career? Well, uh, you know, the, the, the train with Roger Maris was a thrill because he, he he turned out to be my best friend in baseball. Ah, but, okay. But uh, he was really a smart player, and when he came to us, uh, you could see why that he was in so many World Series and they won so many of them. A great player, Roger Maris. Yeah, people may, may not remember that he played for the Cardinals, and he was an integral part of that Cardinal ball club. Uh, he's got to be your best teammate. Who would you say your best skipper was, your best manager you played for, Mike? Well, you know, I played for the Hall of Famers, Red Cheney, and Joe Toy was there. And, and, right. And uh, also... Uh, Broadcasting, it was uh, the White Rat. The White Rat, and also, uh, I mean, you know, I had all nothing but Hall of Fame managers to, to uh, work with, and it was a lot of fun. Sure was. Well, they were all they were all nice to me. I thank you, Mike, for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend some of it with us up here in New York. Again, the book, folks. A great read from Triumph's books. It's called Get Up Baby, My Seven Decades with the St. Louis Cardinals. Thank you for being with us, Mike. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed New York when I played there. And I darn near was trading to the Mets. Thankful I wasn't. (laughs) I I had a bunch of kids. No, you didn't want to move to New York. Yeah, I know, Mike. Well, you you take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Mike Shannon. And uh, we will be back right after this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Well, we're just about coming to the end of our show on the 68 World Series. We spoke to Willie Horton and Mike Shannon, both uh, integral pieces of that World Series. 
that was the 65th World Series, I believe, in 1968. It was, uh, of course, the best of seven between the Tigers and the Cardinals. The Tigers winning in seven games. That was their first championship since 1945 and the third in their history back then. Uh, they came back from a three-game-to-one deficit to win three consecutive games, uh, largely on the arm of Mickey Lolich. We tried to get Mickey on the program. He uh, doesn't do many interviews, I was told, by the Detroit Tigers, so we weren't able to get him on. Uh, he was named World Series MVP that year. As, as of 2019, he remains the last pitcher to earn three complete game victories in a single World Series. Uh, his third appearance, he had to pitch uh, on two days rest in the deciding Game 7 because Denny McLean was moved up to Game 6, also on two games rest, by manager Mayo Smith of the Detroit Tigers. In Game 5, the Tigers' hopes for the title uh, would have been in jeopardy had Bill Freehan not tagged out Lou Brock in that home plate uh, collision. Perfect throw from left fielder Willie Horton. Brock elected not to slide, went in standing up, and that may have cost the St. Louis Cardinals a series, as we just discussed with Willie Horton and with Mike Shannon. Of course, the 68 season uh, was n- noted for being the year of the pitcher. It featured dominant performances from Bob Gibson of the Cards, who was the MVP of both the 64 and 67 series. Gibson came into the World Series with a regular season ERA of just 1.12. Imagine that, folks, 1.12, a modern era record. He pitched complete games in games one, four, and seven. He was the winning pitcher in games one and four. Uh, in game one, he threw a shutout, striking out a series record 17 batters, which bested Sandy Koufax 1963 record by two. And of course, it still stands as the World Series record today. And in game four, it was a solo home run by the Tigers' Jim Northrup, the only offense the Tigers were able to muster against Gibson as he struck out 10. Another game in double figures. In game seven, Gibson was defeated by the series MVP, Mickey Lolich, who allowed three runs on four hits in the seventh inning, although the key play was a triple by Jimmy Northrup that was uh, seemingly misplayed by Kurt Flood and could have been the third out with no run scoring. Again, another really important play in that World Series. Uh, the series saw the Cards lose Game 7 for the first time in their history, their first Game 7 loss ever, the sixth World Series of the 60s to go to a full seven games, the most of any decade. Tigers were the third team to come back from a three-games-to-one deficit and win the best-of-seven series, the first two being the 1925 Pirates and the 1958 New York Yankees. Since then, the 79 Pirates, the 85 Royals, and the 2016 Cubs have also accomplished that feat. Detroit manager Mayo Smith received notoriety for moving Mickey Stanley to shortstop 
in the 68 World Series. Another very controversial move in that series, which has been called really one of the gutsiest coaching moves in sports history by multiple sources. Stanley replaced the superior fielding Ray Euler, who was a much weaker hitter than Mickey Stanley, and he would make two errors in the series, neither of which led to a run, so it was inconsequential. This was also the final World Series played prior to the 1969 expansion, which, uh, as we remember with the Mets, uh, coincided with the introduction of divisional play and the league championship series. Thus, it was the final World Series that guaranteed the teams with the best records from each league would be playing. That's the last time that would ever happen. All seven games of NBC's coverage were preserved on black and white kinescopes by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and it's really circulated among collectors. Games one and five have been commercially released, and these broadcasts and that of Game 7, frequently shown on Classic Sports Network and ESPN Classics in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, Hall of Famers in that World Series. Of course, umpire Doug Harvey, as we mentioned with Mike Shannon. For the Tigers, Al Kaline and Eddie Matthews. People may not remember Eddie Matthews played for the Detroit Tigers. For the Cards, the manager, Red Shane Deanst, Lou Brock, Steve Carlton, Orlando Cepeda, and Bob Gibson. Yeah, it was on NBC with Kurt Gowdy, uh, Harry Carey, and of course the Hall of Famer George Kell, radio announcers, Pee Wee Reese, Ernie Harwell, Jack Buck, and the great Jim Simpson. Again, that's the 1968 World Series, our topic tonight, won by the Detroit Tigers in seven games over the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, that just about will do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Willie Horton and Mike Shannon, of course, my engineer, Brian Graves, and you guys for joining us. See you next week, August 21st. We got some great sports talk coming your way then. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.